Let's start in like three minutes, okay? Sounds good. Yeah, I'm good to go whenever. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another one. Uh, Halftime show with James Like. I'm your host, James Like, here with some special guests, Thomas Willer and Tony Domundi. How are you guys doing? Doing well. How are you doing, James? Pretty good. Yeah, I can't complain over here. A little chilly in Indiana, but other than that, can't complain. We got 14 inches of snow today. Oh, okay, so you definitely win oh in gosh. the worst weather competition. Yeah, yeah, you can take that trophy. Unlike the Cowboys. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, nice one. That's a good one. Yeah, it's funny because the Cowboys did it again. I've, I saw a stat and I don't remember it exactly, but there have been some, I think, 28 teams who have scored as many points as the Cowboys did in the regular season, and only two of them failed to win past the wild card round, and one of them, of course, was this year's iteration of the Cowboys. So another historical failure with, with uh, questions around Mike McCarthy's job security already emerging on social media. But they did make the playoffs, so I don't know if that would, like, I don't know. Honestly, if you don't make the playoffs with this Cal, I mean, this is, in my opinion, with the right coaching, this is a Super Bowl team. Like, it would be very difficult for me to think of a team that could beat this team. Other than the Packers and the Bucks on a really good day, I think the Cowboys are, uh, this is something that Tom and I have been saying throughout the entirety of this season. They're the most complete team in the league, like all around great players. So I just think it felt it falls on poor coaching for the game yesterday. I mean, there was Tom, I know I've sent you before. There was a tweet. Uh, I took a screenshot of it and it was like Madden. Madden is the reason why every 13 year old boy has a has better clock management than Mike McCarthy. <laughs> oh yeah, no, one hundred percent. That was I, very prevalent yesterday. I don't know what that draw play was at the last second. I don't. I really don't know. 
I think that that rule that the refs have to touch the ball at the end, I think that's, like, really stupid. I mean, I think it makes sense. Like, you want your officials to spot the ball. The, the onus is really on the Cowboys there for failing to hand the ball to the referees. Dak, I believe, in the rush, handed it to a center who set it down roughly where he was marked down. But, the you know, the rule is the rule. It's there for a reason. It's to make sure that, you know, neither team gains an unfair advantage. So Dak should have handed the ball to the official. It's kind of like back with the Steelers and Chase Claypool. He was criticized for letting precious time go off the clock against the Vikings in, that, in the comeback that never was. You know, Give the ball to the official and get moving. You cannot just sit around and waste precious time, especially in that situation. Yeah. Hey, I got to read my computer real quick. All right. Yeah, of course. Tony. Yeah, uh, I know. I saw... I saw something yesterday. I forget who it was, but it was like a former NFL player was talking uh, on some show about like what what the heck happened to the Cowboys last night. And something he said that is like drilled into NFL players' heads is you never let a ref's forty time dictate how a game finishes. And that's pretty much what we saw. I mean these these refs they are referees. They're not players. They're not the fastest guys in the world. And I know a lot of people are saying, oh, well, this ref was just so far behind. Yeah, he was the back judge. He has to kind of, like, there is a spot that he has to be a certain yards, certain yardage behind the play before it starts. So I think Dak got too greedy. Uh, if he would have slid maybe five yards sooner, it probably would have worked out with maybe a second left. But honestly, I don't really get why. Like, it's not like it took you from out of Hail Mary range to in Hail Mary range. That's Dak's range all day, even where they were originally. So I didn't understand it. Yeah, I also think that the NFL has to get younger referees to, like, keep up with the plays, you know, because, like, 75% of the referees are, like, old, like, not, like, to disrespect, but, like, most of them are old. There are certainly quite a few older refs out there, I will agree. Uh, I just think that a lot of the times when you're going through these playoff games, like, yes, there's a lot of refs in the league, but for these big playoff games, you want the ones that are going to do the best. Uh, and obviously, you know, there's going to be games where refs do poorly or whatever. But typically, the older refs are the more experienced guys. And now that we have, uh, like, replays and stuff coming in from New York, where your eyes don't necessarily have to be as sharp, and some stuff can kind of get corrected within reason, of course, uh they probably want to get some of the older guys out there just because they've seen more, they've experienced more. They're going to probably make the right call more often than some of these younger guys who are probably a little newer, even if they are a little quicker. The odds of you needing a ref uh, to like, you know, set a ball and everything and have them get faster by a second than another guy, it's pretty slim. I, you don't really see that very often. So I think they're going to stick with the older guys going forward. I mean, it makes sense to me that this would get scrutinized because, of course, it's the end of the game. And as I kind of look at the ESPN game log, um, Dax shotgun up the middle for 17 yards. He had 10 seconds in between that, I believe, to spike the, the ball. So they just the, – the, the Cowboys needed to cooperate. So I, I really don't see the onus – uh, you know, the blame should not be on anyone other than the Cowboys in this situation. But 
let's look at other stuff too, because you know, one play does not define the entire game. I know that you know that's going to get the most attention, as it kind of naturally should. But the Cowboys had 14 penalties for 89 yards. They practically had a football field of penalties. They could not get out of their own way. They wouldn't have even been in that clock spike situation if not for multiple defensive holding calls on that final drive. I think there was at least one that gave San Francisco new life on the conclusion of third down. Like, you know, we should look at this. Yes, clock management is huge, but let's look at other factors that just aren't clock management. Yeah, I agree. This team, they were just abhorrent. And something that we talked about yesterday, uh, just kind of watching the game, Tom and Campbell and I talking in our chat, was I don't think the defense is to blame here. I think the defense did about what I expected. They gave up some plays. I think we kind of thought they'd give up some plays. I think they limited them enough. It was really just the offense. That whole first, pretty much first two and a half quarters, they just could not do anything. The run game was not there. Zeke kept getting stuffed behind the line. Dak kept missing throws or he'd make terrible decisions. There was one he threw up into double coverage, like 60 yards downfield, and it was just dumb luck that it wasn't intercepted. Just weird plays you don't normally see from a guy as talented as Dak is. So I think that this is mostly on the offense. For a number of reasons, performance, they were just off a little bit, and those penalties just killed them. It was just a bad game, honestly. I think, you know, out of a hundred times, probably ninety-five of them, the offense performs better than they did yesterday. So it was really just a bad day for that team. Yeah, I mean, like Tony and I said on kickoff going into this one, the 49ers blueprint was super obvious to everyone. It was up to Dallas to execute. It was possess the ball, it was run the ball more than they would pass. You don't want to really trust Jimmy G in a tough situation against a good defense. And limit Dallas. And Dallas they let the 49ers do exactly what they needed to. I mean, they had 38 rushing attempts, 169 rushing yards. They got 4.4 yards per rush, and the possession time was in favor of the 49ers, about 34 minutes to 26 minutes. So, you know, it was just exactly what the 49ers needed to do offensively and defensively. They, The 49ers honestly didn't need to do a whole lot because the Cowboys continuously got in their own way. So I, I really do, I agree with Tony that the, Cowboys defense, I think holding the 49ers to 23 points is a pretty good outcome considering how good the 49ers were at running the ball at points in that game. Yeah, I honestly think if the Cowboys would not have had so many penalties, they probably would have won that game. And wasn't the the last play of the 49ers drive, wasn't, that, there, were, wasn't there a penalty on that? That's a good question. I actually don't remember all that much. I was kind of in and out of the game uh, up until the very, very end. I was kind of half paying attention to it. So I don't remember exactly. Tom, do you remember? I'm looking at the game log right now. So they had a false start that led from a fourth and one at the Dallas 38 going to a fourth and fifth at the 42. Um, Because originally the 49ers were attempting to go for it. Yeah, because it was like they measured it. It was like literally within an inch or two. I do yeah, remember no, seeing it was a, that, and then yeah, that <laughs> yeah, because they had to take forever to to measure it, and it ended up not mattering because of that that false start penalty. Yeah, that was. I mean, the game was just so sloppy on on all on both teams. Specifically, though, obviously, uh, the Cowboys just because they lost, they're going to get scrutinized for it more. Uh, but it was it was just horrible to watch. 
the whole the whole offense was just off. And it was it started at the penalties. They started off slow, and other than that, they just really couldn't get anything going. They allowed Dak to get sacked a lot. Dak had no time to throw. Uh, even when Bosa went down and he was out for a little bit, I think he was out the full game actually. Uh, and Fred Warner also went down and was out for quite a while. They were still letting these guys get through. So this team is just so dangerous that they can rush for and drop the rest back and still get pressure consistently every, at least uh, every other play. Oh, uh, this is breaking. J.J. Watt was just activated by the Cardinals. Uh, does anyone think that that is of some significance? Yeah, because he said that if he he would only play if he could fully contribute. So he thinks that he can fully contribute to the team, and that would mean that he is full strength. So that would definitely make a difference. So he's playing tonight? Yeah, he should be playing tonight. Okay. So that, yeah, so that means he's up to full strength because he did. Uh, he said that he would only uh, play if he could fully contribute to the max. Honestly, I don't think it does that much, to be totally honest with you. I think J.J. Watt is way past his prime at this point. Uh, I know he's missed some time. He's played, looks like, seven games so far this season. In those seven games, he has one sack and 16 uh, combined tackles. I mean, like, he's a huge name. He was amazing four years ago. And then before that, he was amazing four years prior. But I think this dude is, he's always hurt. He can he can still do some stuff. Like, he's still good for maybe four or five sacks throughout a season. But in an individual game, I really don't think he does that much anymore. That's interesting. I honestly, it's hard to say because I do think that his impact is more of the leadership role. I do think that's kind of why he went there. But I know that he's been considered by a lot of people who who watch a lot more film than I do to be a really good run stopper. So do we think that that's going to impact the Rams' strategy at all because of his ability to simply be a run blocker? Or I should say run stopper, not run blocker. I don't I don't know. I mean, I think with this receiving core that the Rams have, they still trust Matthew Stafford, even though he is turning the ball over quite a concerning amount. But I think they still trust him to be able to be efficient enough where they are a they're a throw first team at this point. Like this isn't the Rams of old with Todd Gurley, where they're just going to pound the ball and run it every single time. I guess most times it seems like this team is a lot more uh, throwing than anything. And when you're going against an offense that throws more, you need a guy that can get in the backfield and pressure the quarterback or sack the quarterback. And JJ's not really that guy. So I guess on the few times that they, they will inevitably run it, maybe he's there and maybe he helps, but I think more often than not, they're going to be throwing this ball and trying to get it to their, their receivers more than anything. Interesting. I guess. So, in the games where Stafford has looked the worst, like like look at the Tennessee Titans game, I think that was a pretty prime example of when he was playing really poorly. Yeah. That's when the that's when the Rams offensive line yielded a lot of pressure. So I honestly think that JJ Watt is a bit significant. Like you said, Tony, and like we said on kickoff, 
the biggest weakness for the Rams is their propensity to turn the ball over in bad spots. Like it's what kind of kept the the Cardinals without Lamar Jackson in that game against LA week 17. We've seen it pop up. Stafford had eight interceptions in the last four games and it cost them against the 49ers. And arguably I think uh, if the 49ers had lost, they might've dropped a seed lower or um, if, if the Saints had won, they might've made the playoffs, but, but here or there, neither here nor there. Uh, the point is, I think J.J. Watt is actually kind of significant, not just in his role as a run blocker, but his ability to apply pressure is going to be big because Stafford, when pressured, has a, a pretty good chance of turning the ball over. I do agree. Uh, yeah, when you when you pressure him, it definitely shows up on the stat sheet. An interesting thing I have I am looking at right now, though, is Stafford's best game with the Rams, September 12th versus the Bears. He had a pass rating of 156.1. His second best game of the season, December 13th at the Cardinals, he had a pass rating of 139.2. He threw three touchdowns, no interceptions, 76% completion percentage. The last time they played this team, he dominated them uh, in every aspect. Do you think J.J. Watt coming back really changes that stat line all that much? I mean, that's a good question. Give me a second to find that stat line because I think that that is, is a good point by you. But like, look at the first game where it was very much different, right? That was the J.J. Watt. That was when I believe J.J. Watt was still active for the Cardinals. So I'm not saying that, you know, J.J. Watt is the difference. Uh, I think, you know, Hopkins being healthy really, really matters. But if if Watt comes back, you know, I think that that definitely is going to at least, in the very least, help the Cardinals some bit. I don't want to say that it's it's meaningless. Yeah, James, do you think that really tur- turns the tide tonight? Um, the way he has been playing, no. Okay. Uh, what what kind? I guess because, like Tom said, there's obviously two games he played against the Cardinals. One game he did well, sixty three percent completion percentage, two touchdowns, and interception, eighty nine point five pass rating. The other game, he did extremely well. The 76% completion percentage, 287 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Which game do you think we're going to see more of tonight? And do you think J.J. Watt maybe pulls him towards, I don't know, maybe not uh, maybe not as bad as the first one, even though it wasn't bad at all. Maybe not as good as the second one. Maybe like a mid-game? What are you thinking, James? Uh, no. I don't think – I don't really think he's going to be able to contribute – so this is an old stat, and it may be not the best, um, but looking at, at a, a source on Twitter, J.J. Watt actually, through week four, I'm trying to find something more recent, ranked really high in pass rush win, win, weight, win rate at about 22%. Is that not significant? Like I feel like we're really downplaying someone who, if his pass rush win rate you know, ranks um, at 22%, ranks third, actually. Um, in in D tackles and D ends, is that not significant? At least a little bit. Well, I guess let's look back. Yeah, it's, what's that though? He used to, he was at one point the best in the league, the best to do it. And you no, said that I'm, was old stat. Uh, that was old as in week four of this season. So don't get me wrong, he's definitely a lot better in previous seasons. But this season, he's still good. He's not just not putting up the flashy sack numbers. I think that he's still, you know, he's, he's still going to play a role. And I think that the Rams, you know, would much rather him not be on the field. I know that that's not what Tony's saying, but I think he's got a bigger role to play than, than you know, basically insignificant. Yeah. 
Well, okay, so that's through the first four weeks of this season. All right, so if we look at the first four weeks of this season, who the Cardinals played, they played the Titans. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's a percentage, correct, Tom? Yeah, it's a percentage. It's pass rush win, win rate at about, like, a 22%. So I think okay, the best so is 24. Playing the Titans first game, they're going to be, you know, obviously they ran with Derrick Henry quite a lot in that first game. I mean, I guess that could be kind of skewed, the percentage, because he has to win less if they're going to pass less. Because, you know, it's the Titans. Tannehill's not going to be throwing as much week one. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I guess you can kind of say that. I think the Titans' O-line at this point was good, not great. Then they had week two against the Vikings. I know early on, I only know this because I drafted Delvin Cook in my fantasy league, he was doing poorly because his O-line was pretty bad, at least for run blocking. I don't know about pass blocking, but those first couple weeks were rough for the Vikings. So I would imagine, you know, they weren't great pass blocking either. So that's against the Vikings. Then you have the Jags. We don't got to talk about that. Then you have fourth week, the Rams. I don't recall how good the Rams O-line was pass blocking in that, in that matchup. So I pulled up ESPN's pass block win rate percentage. So the Rams, you said they played the Rams in week four, right? Correct. So the Rams were 68 for the season total. So, you know, that's the best in the NFL. So I, you know, okay. like you said, I don't know how they, the state of their line was then, but would indicate that it was probably pretty good. The Titans were 24th at 56%. So, you know, not very good. So I kind of see, let's see, you said the Jags were next? Uh, Vikings and Jags. Vikings and Jags. Give me a second. This list is, is not easily accessible. <laughs> so Titans were bad. Rams were likely extremely good. Vikings were equally as bad as the Titans, uh, 54%, okay. so they're actually 2% worse. Okay. Uh, and then the Jacksonville Jaguars were at 60%, which ranked 18th. So 18th. Okay. So three of the four teams were at least below average. Yeah, no, that's fair. I see I see what you're saying, but I guess um, hmm. I, I need to find more, but unfortunately he got injured so early in the season, I don't know if people have been tracking that. Yeah, it's a pretty small sample size. You think so, was he getting double? Oh, let me. I'm try. That's what the chart I'm trying to find is the one that has Don, uh, Aaron Donald like ahead by by twenty percent in every category. Right. Is that Twitter chart? But I don't think he's played enough to to be significant um, for okay. that chart. What are you saying, James? Do you think that Derrick Henry's going to make a difference because he does have like that re-injury? He does have a higher re-injury like percentage. So, what do you think is going to happen if he gets re-injured? Do you think how how long do you think he's probably going to be out? And well, I shouldn't be asking that. Is he going to be able to make a difference in the playoffs? Basically, if he comes back, absolutely. I think. I mean, there's no way he doesn't make a difference. Yeah, I don't care if you don't give him the ball. Just the fact that he's on the field. Yeah. I so I found so there's this website that I like to use when we're talking injury and it's draft sharks and they actually have so each player has three pages fantasy outlook injury history and analysis and then stats and usage percentage um so Derek Henry's chance of re-injury and his chance of injury in 2021 was 90% and that's the chance that he misses at least two quarters he was projected to miss about two games he obviously hit the way over on that um yeah. 
And so he's given a durability rank of five. So your best your best score is five. So he's incredibly durable. Um, and then he's given a 12.7% chance of injury per game. So I would say he's classified as high risk. So I think that the Titans are probably going to be sp- use him sparingly uh, in that first game and try to see how he fares. And if he, you know, if he handles it well, put him in. If he doesn't, you know, be a little bit more conservative. I think it just depends on how the game goes, right? So in this next round, Titans, obviously they haven't played yet, but they will start playing. It's just going to probably be, you know, we'll put him out there. We're going to limit his carries probably a little bit, just kind of see how he gets reacclimated into the game. And if the passing game's not working, maybe we just say, you know, this is the playoffs. If there's a time to throw everything you got at these guys, it is now. So, I mean, maybe the passing game does just fine. I expect it to, honestly. Maybe they don't really use him that much. Or maybe the passing game struggles a little bit, and they say, well, we kind of have to, you know, sell the farm on this one to these guys. I mean, they are playing the Bengals, so I'd imagine with the Bengals' poor uh, pass defense, they're probably going to rely a little bit more on passing with Tannehill and Julio Jones and all those guys. So I think that will be able to get the job done. I would expect this divisional round matchup to be more of a kind of get him reacclimated in the hopes that when you play the Bills or Chiefs, he's 100% to go. Yeah, no, this is definitely a game that the... the- the Titans should feel like they can kind of open the passing game up a little bit with how bad the Bengals defense ranks. I, I know that, that the offense has not been as as advertised in the offseason. I think that you know some of us, like Tony and I, were expecting a lot more. But the Bengals rank 26th in pass yards allowed and 28th in pass attempts against and 30th in passes completed against. So the Titans should be able to open up the offense from a passing perspective and really just use the threat of running Henry as a bit of a benefit to them. I want to know, like you said, like Pittsburgh, like the Pittsburgh game, do you think if they were going up against anybody else that they would have like had a better chance to like win? You mean the Steelers? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. So, Tony, I know that you think that the Raiders were the worst team to make the playoffs. Is is that still true after what the results we've seen no. over the weekend? No way. Um, it's tough because the Steelers. So, you know, Raiders, Bengals, nineteen twenty six, Bengals won. Steelers, Chiefs, Steelers twenty one, Chiefs forty two. Okay, so Chiefs scored double the points the Steelers uh, scored. Bengals only a touchdown more than the Raiders. I. I think the Chiefs are a far better team than the Bengals. I know a lot of people are really high in the Bengals right now. I know they're hot. But as a full team, I think the Chiefs are way better. So I think, honestly, if you put the Raiders in for the Steelers there, I think you still get a pretty similar score. So, you know, are they maybe a little worse? Are they maybe a little better? I don't know. I think they're pretty similar, though. I think both teams are pretty terrible. Yeah, if the Steelers have to play a division champ like the Chiefs, or the Bills, or the Bengals, I'm taking the division champ. Like, we saw the Bills absolutely destroy the Patriots in a way that was kind of unexpected. The Bengals, of course, beat the Raiders in, in a close one that has a little bit of a refing controversy. Uh, and then the Chiefs, of course, decimated the Steelers. So I don't think that there's a good case to be made for the Steelers beating a division champion. That being said, if you maybe said, like, let's have them play the Patriots or the the Raiders, I could maybe see one of those a little bit more. Yeah. 
do you do you think that the why do you think the Patriots got absolutely pounded? Like I I just don't I don't know. Like two words, Josh Allen. <laughs> <laughs> just, just he's a superhuman he's a superhuman my uh, uh micah hyde when mac jones threw a perfect pass when i saw him come out like with the ball i was like what i gotta see that again and they played the replay i was like wow like that definitely pick of the year what do y'all think yeah i think micah hyde is a heck of a player i think this bill's mm-hmm. defense stepped up tremendously i think to be totally honest with you, I think this is less Josh Allen being great and more Mac Jones kind of, you know, he had some good balls, but his inexperience just showed a little bit at times. He had some balls that definitely should have been picked. Yeah. So, yes, he only threw two interceptions. And, yes, one of them was Micah Hyde on the interception of the year. I 100% agree. But he probably should have had three or four. So, just some young decisions that he probably wouldn't make if, you know, this was three or four years beyond now into his career I think this team would do way better he, regardless of Mac Jones even if he was great though I still think the Bills win this the Bills were definitely the better team uh, overall offense and defense the Patriots are just kind of outmatched uh, so yeah I just think plus you know Wait, Josh you Allen threw away a ball that ended up being a touchdown he didn't even know it was a touchdown uh, he said that in his press conference that was pretty cool to watch but mm-hmm. just one of those days where Allen was not missing and Mac Jones just a young guy. You really think that the that the Bills have a better defense than the Patriots? I think in this Ooh. game they did. That's a, that's a good question. That's oh. a hard that's a hard question to answer, honestly. Well, that's the thing though, is that like I don't care how good your defense is in the regular season. This is the playoffs and your regular season record does not matter. Nothing you did in the regular season matters. It just matters who is better in this game. And in this game, the Bills were definitely the better defense. To be fair, I think that the Bills had the easier time to play defense. Like, if I, if I had the choice between playing a mobile quarterback who has an arm like a cannon that might be, you know, the the best combo of a runner with an arm like a cannon since Cam Newton, um, you know, or a stationary rookie quarterback first game in the playoffs, I'm probably taking the stationary rookie quarterback whose first – this is his first game ever in the playoffs. Uh, that being said – if you look at DVOA, uh, the Bills currently rank first in passing DVOA and then 11th in rushing DVOA, whereas New England is third in pass DVOA and then ninth in rush DVOA. So New England ranks fourth by total and Buffalo first by total. And I know, Tony, we both really like lineups in their, their rankings, and they have the Bills at one and then the Patriots at two. So I think the Bills are overall the better defense. I don't think that's... No, after after the game we saw, I don't think that anyone's going to contend that one. Yeah, that is true. The Bills definitely have the higher powered offense. I, I'm just I want to see what Mac Jones does three to five years from now if they get into the situation again. Just see how he performs. I think the Bills' defense was just phenomenal. I think a wide receiver would help. I really do. I think a really good wide receiver would help. I don't feel like they have a, a true number one wide receiver. Yeah, it's definitely some some shoddy craftsmanship on the wide in the wide receiver room over there. Uh, they went they went all in on the two tight end sets so they could run those those twelve packages and it just you know you really do need a wide receiver in today's passing game. I I mean, what about like Emmanuel? You said the Bills don't have a number one wide receiver or the Patriots. 
Oh, the Patriots. The Bills definitely do. The the Bills wide receiver room is to yeah, die for. I was gonna say, like what? Because I was I was about to say, what they have Stephon Diggs, right? No, Mac Jones is looking across at the Bills, um, and it's just in pure envy as he sees Stephon Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, and Cole Beasley <laughs> on the same roster. Yeah, like I mean, Jacoby Myers is getting up there, so. Myers is okay, but as somebody who has gambled on him time and time again in fantasy football, he's definitely not the wide receiver that you really want your your young rookie quarterback to have. Yeah, so I'm pulling up. Uh, I'm gonna read off the uh, wide receivers that are gonna be free agents: Allen Robinson, uh, Chris Godwin. Devontae Adams, Will Fuller, Jamison Crowder. Jamison Crowder, I think he's going to have an amazing season when he signs with a different team. It's not the New York Jets. Um, T.Y. Hilton, Juju Smith-Schuster, Emmanuel Sanders, A.J. Green, Keelan Cole, Sammy Watkins, Mike Williams, Zach Pascal, Albert Wilson, Matthew Slater, Zay Jones, Richard Higgins. I hope the Browns keep him. Jakeen Grant, Cam Sims, and Deshaun Jackson, Danny Amendola and Odell Beckham uh, and Christian Kirk. Those are the um, notable names that I could, that I see right now. Oh, also TJ Sharp and Ray Ray McLeod. Who? Well, we definitely saw this past offseason the Patriots went kind of all in in the free agency, mostly on their defense, and I think that that worked out pretty well. So who knows? Maybe this is going to be the offseason of – uh, the offense where they kind of start, you know, maybe loading up that wide receiver room, get Maxim help. I think their O-line overall is fine enough. What would, like, your reaction be if uh, Devontae Adams went to the Patriots, someone like that? That would Cry. definitely, that would definitely be a, a, a NFL-breaking signing. That would be electric, honestly, to have him on a Bill Belichick team. I'd be very curious to see how he does. It would definitely be a help to Mac Jones developing as well. The biggest name that are going to be in free agency right now, next year. If you're just looking at the wide receiver position and who's going to the Patriots, that's a really interesting question because Allen Robinson recently was reported to have liked some Patriots social media. Of course, he's an unrestricted free agent this year, yeah. and he's obviously unhappy with the Bears. So if he went, I could see him going to the Patriots. I think that the price tag would fit. The Patriots have about $20 million in cap space, so I think that they could potentially bring him in. Yeah, they could uh, what, what do you think, Tony? I like the Allen Robinson signing. That was the one name that stuck out to me the most when you were reading those off. I think he would fit pretty well if he can do well. Uh, I guess he's done really well statistically every year except for this year with pretty much every quarterback. So to finally get him on a good team with a good, uh, you know, offensive line that could protect a quarterback who's pretty decent, who can get the ball to him, I think he can do a lot of great things. And on that note, I'm actually going to have to head out. Uh, I can only get in half an hour today. So thank you very much, James. Uh, and Thanks, Tom, for coming and speak. And I will see you guys later. Yeah, see you, Tony. All right. Um, on the topic of the Patriots wide receivers, like, do you think they're going to draft someone? That'd be really interesting. And unfortunately, I, I am going to default to your judgment here. I know you have a f- quite a few more mock drafts and uh, some better knowledge of college football than I do. I don't know if they'll draft someone. I know that a knock against the Patriots historically is that they tend to not draft at the wide receiver position, like they don't, they don't typically use first round picks. 
So I'm going to guess no, because, you know, with history as your guide, but it's not out of the realm of possibility if that's what Bill Belichick thinks would really help Mac take his next leap. I had them taking Trey Lombard out of Arkansas. Okay, yeah, that's, uh, um, is he a wide receiver? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not impossible. Um, I don't know, it's hard to say, right? Because you don't know who they're going to be able to bring back. I think Jacoby Myers is yeah. a free agent, so maybe they're going to want to try to bring him back into the fold. And if it's for a bit of a bigger price tag, then, you know, but you've also locked up a need. So I don't know. That's a really good yeah, question. I'm gonna actually going to look up a mock draft. They're probably going to take someone like uh, probably going to take someone like a another linebacker to help out Judon, someone that uh, rushes pretty well, like uh, the Kobe Dean type player maybe drake jackson so i'm looking at cbs where they have three really good um side-by-side nfl drafts and in all of the drafts they have the patriots taking a cornerback it's just you know which cornerback is a little bit different it's, for each person is that Alam? Kar- uh so they have ahmed gardner and kari alamia i had a. Uh... Ahmad Gardner, either I have two things that might happen. He either will drop to the Browns and the Browns will take him or he is going to get took by um, the Broncos. Those are two pretty interesting ones. So I know that the Broncos, I believe, are picking um, ninth. Uh, yeah, if this know. if this is looking correct, so actually, so depending on the draft, because there are there are about four side by side. They either have Matt Corral going to the Broncos at nine, or Nakobe Dean, the linebacker. I definitely don't get Matt. Don't think Matt. I think Matt Corral is probably going to fall to uh, Washington. I, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, I don't know about that. Actually, so, no. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Washington, uh, not Washington. The Jets. I'm sorry. So I think the thing the, I don't think the Jets are going to take a quarterback. I think that I Zach Wilson's still too young. I don't think that he's the only thing that he's shown this season that he's a bust. Like I, his his both of his backups played better than him. Yeah, I'm not a Zach Wilson fan. I didn't get the hype when you know we were kind of gearing up for the draft last season. I really just didn't. I was not a fan of Zach Wilson, uh, and I had him as not being the worst, but I had it. Maybe is Mac and him being the two, the two kind of battling for the worst. But I think that unfortunately for the Jets, you really a first round pick, especially the second pick overall, is too valuable an asset to immediately say, "Oh, we were wrong," you know, and and immediately move on from that quarterback. They need to spend at least a couple of years developing him. Um, and you know, the mock drafts I'm looking at, they have Kyle Hamilton getting drafted by the Jets. I really like that for the Jets. I think they need to boost up that defense a little bit. You said you're, you're a Panthers fan, right? I am indeed, yes. I, had uh, but, t- oh, I, forgot. I don't know how uh, to say his name. But, I, I before, think it's Ikema. Well, I was going to say, b- before we go there, I, I do want to hop back to the Browns because we were talking about them uh, drafting a quarterback. So you said... I don't know. You said, oh, excuse me, the Broncos. I, I stand corrected. So you said that you don't see the Broncos taking a quarterback. My question then is, is who do you think they are going to play at quarterback? Because Drew Locke, definitely not the answer. And I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is a long-term answer for them either. He did play, I would say, 
fairly well this year, but I don't think that he, one, he's an unrestricted free agent, um, so that, that might be a bit of a problem. Um, but I don't think he's a long-term answer, and I don't think that the Broncos are going to re-sign him, especially with you know the Broncos coaching staff being kind of cleared out. I think that they want to get their hands on a new quarterback and integrate a new system, especially if it's maybe an offensive-minded coordinator as they've gone with defensive-minded coordinators the past couple of years. Fascinating. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, Cam Newton is going to be a unrestricted, is going to be unrestricted free agent this year, so I definitely think that he might. Uh, also, Jameis Winston and Jacoby Brissett also going to be unrestricted free agents this year, so I think they're definitely going to be in the running for the Broncos. Actually, I think. I think Winston goes to the Saints, honestly. like I, I think that they were playing pretty well up until the injury. So I think that Winston stays with the Saints personally as a Panthers fan. I love Cam Newton and all he's done for the franchise. I don't see him as anything more than a backup in his current state right now. As well as Jacoby Brissett, he's looked pretty awful in his games with the Dolphins when he stepped up as a backup. Maybe Marcus Mariota, I, you can make a case that somebody <laughs> takes a shot on him, but I don't yeah. see it. Uh, let me see if there's anybody else. Someone else has been playing great. Cole McCoy, but he's like eight years old, so I don't know how that would work out. <laughs> yeah, no, at 36, you're definitely starting to push it in the quarterback department, though he has had, quietly, a very good season as a backup in, in place uh, of Kyler Murray for the Cardinals. Uh, Someone, uh, who else? I don't think there's anybody else besides, yeah, like Marcus Mariota, Teddy Bridgewater, Ryan Fitzpatrick also eighty. No, that's you true. That start? one, I don't. I don't know if he's forty. Yeah. So he's forty. If you're forty, um, and you're like Ben Roethlisberger, maybe retire. I think, especially after the injury, he might be primed too. Yeah, I, de- I definitely think they've been taking like. Don't quarterbacks take like the most hits? I mean, uh, I would say it's probably a running back, but I do think that, you know, uh, depending on the team you're on, like if... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, Broncos offensive line, I don't think he would do great. Yeah, no, I mean, they they were about average in their pass rush win, I mean, their pass block win rate, so... I just, you know, given the fact that they don't have a quarterback who's a high-quality quarterback under contract, I think the only quarterback they'll yeah, actually I mean, have is is Locke. I think you have to take somebody this year, even if it's not a great quarterback year, which since they're picking at nine, since it's not a great quarterback year, maybe that's encouraging as to why you can get a good quarterback. Actually, in the second round, um, I had them taking a cornerback, a quarterback, quarterback I'm sorry not cornerback in the first round I they were taking George Karlafis in the edge out of Purdue and then in the second round I had them taking Desmond Ritter the quarterback out of Cincinnati you think he he, you think he makes it that far like he he goes to the second round I don't know where he's currently projected to go or either I don't think I don't know I just don't I think he's Ritter's might drop and I the Saints, I also I had them taking Carson Strong out of Nevada. That's a quarterback. He's also a quarterback. Mm-hmm. So it looks like the one of the mock drafts of the four I'm looking at, Desmond Ritter, he's projected to go to the Steelers, which would actually be a really intriguing pick that I would I would like to see happen, yeah. just because it would be a really fascinating pick. In the first round, I had uh, the Steelers take Malik Willis. 
Okay, yeah, no, that's interesting. What, what position is he again? Quarterback. Oh, that's right. He's out of Liberty. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think the Steelers are another team that probably is going to need a quarterback um, and might honestly trade up because looking at this draft, depending on you know on who you believe here, the Giants are apparently now in the hunt for a quarterback, which would be an interesting move for them because I know they still have Daniel Jones, but obviously new staff. Sometimes you want to bring in new people. Uh, then the Broncos, then the Washington football team, then the Browns, and then way down below are the Steelers. So I don't know if you're the Steelers, if you start planning on trading up because you're going to, to want to replace Ben Roethlisberger, or if you trust that the, oh, forgive me, the, the backup you drafted, I mean, uh, the guy you picked up from who used to be on the Washington football team as you, now your backup. If you want to go forward with him, um, they're not. I, you think that they're gonna go forward for the? You, you think that they're gonna go forward with? Uh, Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins. I don't I, I doubt know. No. Well, so I guess the the thinking has to be if you're the Steelers, we want a quarterback who we can build around. You know, they picked up Haskins on the cheap. I don't even think they traded for him. I believe they picked him up as a free agent. So he would be, you know, cheap. So I guess it comes down to your school of thought, right? Do you believe that you should be drafting for talent or fit? Because if you, you know, if you think it's talent, don't take a quarterback in the first round and see if you can grab somebody maybe in the second. But if you believe in fit, then maybe you do want to take a quarterback. So because they're at 20, unless they trade up... But he's just not. He just hasn't. He just hasn't played good. He he fits the Steelers perfectly, but he just not. He's just not good enough. No, he wasn't in Washington. But now that he's had a year kind of sequestered away, you know, his development will be interesting to see. You know how how much he's changed and grown as a quarterback. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I mean, oh god. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I know that the number one issue besides his play was, you know, behavioral issues with the football team. He was doing some things, I think, that violated COVID protocol and taking unnecessary yeah. risks and, you know, just general risky behavior, which is why Ron Rivera, a no-nonsense guy, cut him. I think that the Steelers, with Mike Tomlin being an equally no-nonsense guy, he's had to have changed his behavior at least a little bit, which would give me a sign for maybe some maturity and growth. Yeah. So. I don't think no. if um if he was not like if he wasn't behaving, I don't think Mike uh, Mike Tomlin would not. Uh, Mike no, Tom- he would. He'd not put up with that at all. Not at all. Not from a third string quarterback. Yeah, for sure. I mean, see if it was Ben. Of course, they're gonna let it fly because he's Ben. You know. Mm-hmm. Not Dwayne Haskins. No, it's not gonna happen. Uh, so I know you had the Eagles, right? You and Tony were both kind of locked on to the Eagles. I don't know what happened to Jay. I think that was all Jalen Hurts' fault. Interesting. So he was. Let me see. Yeah, I think he threw three interceptions and had like he had two. But I honestly, you know, I know Tony's pick was and your pick too was based largely in the fact that you expected the conditions for the game to be a little bit different. It was pretty sunny for the yeah. most of the duration of the game, and you guys were expecting rain, so that obviously changes things. Um, I don't want to just blame it all on Jalen Hurts, though. I do think that 
you know, when your team is built to run the football and you get less than 100 yards in the game and, you know, half of that came from your quarterback that that's just the team was built to run they started having to pass and Jalen Hurts is a young quarterback who's still not ready to to pass in a playoff situation and he's playing a really good defense I saw a stat I believe it was the Eagles were 0-8 against playoff teams this year and 8-1 and against non-playoff teams so they were obviously you know really good against teams who didn't make the playoffs and you know, not as good against playoff teams, so I, you know, I kind of see why that happened, why that result came in like it did. In uh, in the first quarter, I think he had like five passing yards. Yeah, I mean, that, that's just not how that team is built to play, right? That team is not built to to pass the ball and be a pass first offense. So they, you know, they're going to run the ball, but unfortunately for them, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, were able to run the ball pretty well. Tom Brady, zero problems passing the ball, and they were able to get 14 points. And when you're down 14, you have to change. And that's that ultimately was their downfall. That and a few, I believe a few special teams miscues were, were pretty bad too. Jalen yeah. Hurts actually had the most rushing yards on his team with 39. And they are the number one rushing running team in the league, which is very – they have four running backs that are over – uh, 400 yards, and we have Jalen Hurts that is getting 39 yards and leading the team in rushing yards. I don't think this is acceptable for like the best running team in the league. You know. So one thing, I mean, yeah, if you're the best rushing team in the league and you get less than 100 yards in the game, that's probably a recipe for you guys to to lose that game, right? But I think that. I don't think that it's a bad – their performance is bad. One, rookie head coach, right? So a, a relatively young team too. But Tampa Bay has a, a pretty good defense, if I remember correctly. You know, They, in my opinion, have one of the best front sevens in the NFL. And if you look at rushing DVOA, which of course is the, the metric by football outsiders that measures how good a team is a, against the run, Tampa Bay, not great. They rank 12th, but they – they're still, I would argue, relatively good at rushing at rushing defense, and then they're a top 10 passing defense too. So I just think that they were a little bit overwhelming for this Eagles team. Yeah, I don't – yeah, they just – because if it would have been raining and stuff, then that would have been different, I 100% think. Oh, so for I sure. I also think – I also think Jalen Hurts has been playing on an, on another topic. Who do you think was like the best quarterback to come out of the draft last year? Oh, um, so so you mean the the crop of rookies that have now played their first season? Yeah, that's that's hard, right? So I know that Mac statistically I would say is probably the best quarterback of the bunch but that's also in part I don't think because Mac is an incredible quarterback by any means but it's just because he's benefited from being in that Belichick system that I think kind of lends itself to his skill set that's why they took him right is that was very much a fit pick um, so my my Zillow model has him currently ranked 15th which I believe is the highest of all the rookie quarterbacks so you know Based on what we know, I think you have to say Mac because he he played well enough. But I also don't want to say like Mac had my evaluation. Mac had the lowest uh, floor, 
lowest ceiling but the highest floor you kind of knew what you were getting out uh getting from yeah. me if that makes any sense yeah 100 percent um you said you do line reads with um uh you said you stat do stat lines right yeah mm-hmm. so hold on let me find the two quarterbacks that i want Give me one second. Yeah, no, take take all the time you need. I I am curious, who are the two quarterbacks you're comping? Because that that is something you know. You give me the two quarterbacks you're comping. I pick a guy that I'm kind of looking for, um, and then you yeah. know, you read me the stats. Jalen Hurts and uh, Dave, uh, Davis Mills. Okay, yeah, this will be an interesting one. Uh, first one has, um. 2,600, uh, 2,664 yards, mm-hmm. 10, 16 touchdowns. The other one has 3,144 yards, 16 touchdowns, and 9 interceptions. Which one do I want more, or which do I think is who? Like, if that makes any sense. Yeah, uh, give me both, actually. So I'm guessing, I think we did Davis Mills. We did the comp between him and Lawrence last show, last time Tony and I were on with you. So I specifically remember that Davis Mills had fewer yards because he only had played, you know, like 10 games, I think, or started 10 games. So I'm going to put the the lower passing yards guy as Davis Mills. And personally, I'm going to take Jalen Hurts because I know that you didn't read them off, but his rushing stats were incredible as a quarterback. So I don't know why he's... Everybody hates on Lamar Jackson for always running, but Jalen Hurts leads the league in uh, for quarterbacks in uh, yards per carry, uh, rushing yards. Mm-hmm. Like, and he's not getting almost any hate at all. That's talked about anyway. That's somebody you need to talk. Uh, that's a, that's a topic, Lamar Jackson, that you need to talk to Tony about because I know he is not a huge fan of Lamar. Uh, and I would say I don't think people are negative on Lamar running. I personally, I have him as a little bit of a below average passer, and I do think he can get better. I've always been very optimistic yeah. about the future of Lamar Jackson, um, but I do think that the problem is that he's not as electric a passer. If he, if he could pass in the way that he could run the football, different story. He would yeah. be one of the greatest passers of all time. He would already be in the conversation of best. Yeah, if he could. If he could be like a, I don't know, like a, not like a Josh Allen, but like, yeah, basically a Josh Allen. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he would need to be, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. If he were just Josh Allen, so one of the most, immer- one of the, the future stars of the game when this generation has kind of passed away, one of the future stars. Um, yeah. Let me find a better way to put that. Uh... So, so I have a question for you. I want to turn back your original question. Who's the best rookie quarterback? I want to get your thoughts on it because this is your show, right? This is halftime with James Lake, uh, not, not halftime with Tom. So who are you picking yeah. as the best rookie quarterback? Because it doesn't have to be Mac, right? Like I do think that there's a case to be made that it, maybe it's yeah. Davis Mills because he's a, a bit of a diamond in the rough. Uh, I don't think it's going to be Davis Mills, honestly. Let me pull it up. I guess that is a different question versus statistical performance this season and performances this season and then total upside because I do think that Davis Mills is probably limited in total upside. Do you know why Kellen Mond didn't play this year? 
I honestly don't. I'm I'm assuming it's because he, you know, just was kind of Wait, Mond wasn't he take he played he plays for the Vikings, right? Didn't he yeah. play for a little bit? I don't think he did because Sean Mannion, that one guy, that guy was in. I think he was in for maybe a series. Let me let me look it up because I feel like I remember him being in for just a handful of games. I thought he was going to be a lot better. I think with all of these you got to give him time, right? Like, if you only see him for a handful of plays, it's not fair to make an evaluation. That's why I have yet to, to really formulate anything on Trey Lance is because we've seen him so infrequently yeah. that, you know, it's really just hard to make a quality evaluation there. Yeah. So, Mond is currently third on the Vikings depth chart. He has, I believe, he... Against the Packers, it was his only performance this season. He had two completions on three attempts for five yards. Um, so, yeah, he did play ever so slightly. Basically, he didn't play. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good way of putting it. It's when, when you have, what, three yards? You didn't play. Uh, <laughs> no. no. He's third on the depth chart. Where did they draft him at, like, the second round? Um, let me check third round pick he says 66 pick overall in the third round like come on you really started sean mannion over like who is sean mannion i would have to imagine with sean mannion that it's more of a you know he knows the system better right he's the veteran um so mannion was drafted in 2015 i believe he's been on the vikings for most of that so i'm guessing it's just a system and they felt more comfortable with it i don't think you want to throw your rookie quarterback into a game at lambeau when you know the packers are rolling and are a tough team to beat so they're trying to mahomes him right let him develop for a year and then bring him in when he's when he's ready i'm gonna have to say that with the performance that he's put on, it's so little that the time that he's had either Davis Mills or probably Mac Jones. I'm going to go Davis Mills. Yeah, I mean, Davis Mills, given what Davis Mills is playing with too, right? There's a very big difference between what Mac Jones is playing with and what Davis Mills is playing with. What Mac Jones is playing but with. What Davis, does Davis Mills, Mills really have besides, like, Brandon Cooks? Exactly. Davis Mills looks kind of like what Mac Jones does with the Bills. Like, Davis Mills is looking at Mac Jones with envy. He's like, how do you have all of that? And I have nothing. The Houston Texans, 27th in their pass block win rate. So that's 54%. So they're barely winning 50% of their blocks. Yeah, one of their, be- their, one of their best players is Kiki Kuti. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, they're just, they're not, that's why I think Mills is so impressive, is is in part what little he's been given and how good he looked compared to teams that, you know, did have more, like Trevor Lawrence, okay, Trevor Lawrence finishing with a QBR below Davis Mills, if you, if you picked that in the preseason, like, kudos to you, I have no idea how you got that right, can you please teach me your secrets? <laughs> I don't think. You think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a bust for the rest of his career? Oh, so I know Tony's on that that bandwagon, and that's a, that's another great topic that you'll have to discuss with Tony. We need to do uh, an off season quarterback evaluation sometime, you know, post Super Bowl. Yeah, but. I'm very skeptical of calling anyone a bust in their first year because the NFL is so 
different from college football. But Lawrence, for a prospect who is supposed to be generationally talented, like the the next Andrew Luck. One, if you're if you're billing as Andrew Luck, you have got a massive expectation to live up to. Um, but he definitely. He definitely did not play like Andrew Luck in his first year, right? Because Andrew Luck, you know, was graded as an incredibly high prospect. And okay, I just his... that's oh, go, ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, so this is Andrew Luck's stat line. So he had a 54 completion percentage. He had almost 4,500 yards, 23 touchdowns, and 18 interceptions. You know, comp that to Trevor Lawrence's 12 touchdowns, 17 yards, and about 60% completion percentage. And to be fair, I know they're different teams. They're different situations, right? Andrew Luck, I would imagine, stepped into a bit of a better situation. Yeah. I, I digress. You should have a better rookie year when your build's so high. Like Peyton Manning, that's kind of what everybody uses when a quarterback has a really bad year. Oh, no, he was terrible his first year. So is, like, half of the quarterbacks that get drafted in the first round. And yeah. no one, half of them are not Peyton Manning that are going to be horrible in their first year and be a Hall of Fame player. Oh, yeah. Nobody, nobody is Peyton Manning, right? Because that's just – he's the exception to the rule. He had 26 touchdowns, 20 interceptions, and he almost had 4,000 yards on 56% completion percentage. That's pretty horrible. And I'm not saying that Lawrence is going to be Peyton Manning, but Peyton Manning is the reason at least that I don't want to dub him instantly a bust because if – if the modern NFL and the modern NFL fans looked at Peyton Manning's season in this season, they would say, get rid of him. He's a bust. Draft the next quarterback. I don't want to be that person. Yeah, it's – he his QBR is 33.5. Mm-hmm. That's horrible. No, he, it's, he has, it's pretty bad. He, he is, He's tied 30th for most interceptions. He has 12 touchdowns. That's uh, – honestly think they would would have been better keeping Gardner Minshew. I was honestly kind of shocked when that trade happened, and I think the Eagles are probably laughing at Urban Meyer every time they see Gardner Minshew step onto the practice field. They're like, we got this guy for nothing. Yeah. I feel like that, like, picks now, they're, like, undervalued. Like, like you can get, like, a borderline good player, like, starting player, like, a D-tackle, like, Sheldon Richardson, you could probably get him for like a fifth round pick. There's so high value for like what are you probably gonna get out of that fifth round pick? Like a third string player. Unless mm-hmm. you're Peyton Manning. Yeah, no, I do think that I don't know, I I would I still haven't heard a good explanation as to why they got rid of Gardner Minshew. Philadelphia, they have two good really good quarterbacks now. Yeah. I feel like if they uh, if hurts is to get hurt again, they're definitely in a good spot. Oh yeah, no, I don't think the Eagles are are concerned about that. They're both still rookies, so they're both still on really cheap contracts. So you can keep Gardner Minshew for at least another year or two more. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Yay. I was going to say, um, I do have to run as we get a little bit closer to five. So if you want to kind of wrap it up with one last question before I go, I'm, I'm more than happy to do that. But I do have to, to get going shortly. All right. I don't, I don't got anything else. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, of course. It's always fun to be here. And I, I look forward to doing more of these in the future. You want to do like an NBA? Uh, Tony said you do NBA sometimes. Would you be open to doing like an NBA podcast with me? Uh, 
I used to, to follow the NBA a lot closer. Um, I, I I would love to, but it would definitely be I'd have a little bit of a learning curve to to catch up on. I'm not nearly as good at analyzing the NBA as I am the NFL. I, at least I think I'm good at analyzing the NFL. That is not a guarantee either. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, I'm definitely, I'm definitely open to doing more of that. I think it would be fun to to have you, Tony, and I do a little bit of basketball. Tony said he's like, he cannot, like, he literally does not like. Yeah, no, he definitely doesn't follow the NBA, but that's why I think it would be kind of fun to have him on. Uh, oh but, yeah, yeah, that's that is a good point. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for having me on, and we'll definitely have to do more NFL, more NBA stuff in the in the near future. I look forward to coming back on. All right, anytime, no, no problem. Thank you so much for uh, coming on. Uh, yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, and thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. All right, thank you guys for listening. Uh, um, you guys are the best. Thank you so much. Um, and we will be back tomorrow at 5.30 with Chase Klein. And don't forget to drop in on that one. Thank you guys so much for listening. Peace out.